We are in the holiday season. We just finished our holiday. We're in the middle of the American holidays, United States holidays. One of the things people do this time of the year is they tip people. They tip their sanitation workers, their postal workers. They give uh, their underlings in the office staff appreciation gifts. They give all types of... Uh, Are you commenting on something that you had to give recently? They give all types of uh, service providers and assistants. They give them various tips. So there's, there's an interesting halakhic discussion about these tips, and that's what we'll discuss tonight, a number of chuvas and other sources on the topic. The ideas here will perhaps will sound a little jarring to modern Americans like us, but these are actually these are real halachas that are, and they're, they're taken fair, they're taken quite seriously even by contemporary poskim. The there's a two word phrase in the Torah that says lo sechanim regarding the context is the indigenous peoples of Canaan. It says that lo sechanim lo lamed aleph means no and sechanim taf ches nun mem is a difficult word to translate. What exactly does Los Sechanim mean? It is, it, is not, it is not entirely clear. The, the Gemara in Masechus of Odezara says that there are three different interpretations of what, of what, uh, of what Los Sechanim can mean. One of them is that we're not allowed to give them any, we're not allowed to give them any uh, ownership of Eretz Yisrael. You can't give them Chania Bekarka. That's something that comes up last year, Shemitah, in the context of the Hatem Mechira. That comes up, one of the main objections by the Chazanish and his followers to the sale of the land that, that the Israeli government does every year to avoid certain, certain rules of Shemitah is that you're not allowed to give non-Jews control of any ownership of the land. Some of the reasons why you can be leaving there actually will be relevant to us tonight as well. But that, that's one answer discussed by the, by the Gemara. One interpretation of Los Echanem is you're not allowed to give them any ownership of the, of the land. The second, second or third in the Gemara is from the word chen. You're not allowed to give them chen, praise. You're not, you're not allowed to say how beautiful or smart or how good is this non-Jew. You're not allowed to say, you're not allowed to say positive, complimentary things about, about Goyim. And the middle one, the one that we're concerned with tonight, is that you're not, is, is that you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to give them matnas for, according to this interpretation, we're dashing uh, from the word chinam that you're not that, that, that you're not allowed to give them anything for free. So altogether, we have three interpretations based on three different interpretations of the word sechanim. One of them is one of them is from the word chania, resting or dwelling place. You can't give them any 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 foothold, any any ownership of the land of Eretz Yisrael. The second one is you can't give them. Chain, you can't praise them. The third one is you can't give them a matnas chinam. Our concern tonight is with the matnas chinam one, the prohibition against giving them anything free. You're not allowed to give free gifts, gifts with no strings attached, to a non-Jew. This is a flat-out prohibition. It's in the Gemara. The Gemara actually says it's a machlokas. The Gemara brings a machlokas from Yudin or Rabbi Meir about this. But we paskin that there is such a prohibition. This is brought in Shulchan Aruch. Brought in, in Torah and Shulchan Aruch, you're not allowed to give matnas chinam la'ovid avad kachavim. Shulchan Aruch says, Asir litein matnas chinam la'ovid kachavim, she'enam akiro. You're not allowed to give gifts and presents to non-Jews. Now, obviously, you're allowed to pay a non-Jew for something. 
for goods or services. If you go into a non-Jewish grocery store and you want to buy some, you want to buy some food, you're allowed to pay for the food. You have to pay for the food. If you hire a non-Jewish contractor to do some work on your house, you're allowed to pay him. Payment for services rendered. That is that is not controversial. There's no doubt. There's no question about that. You're certainly allowed allowed to pay non-Jews, and you have to pay them. You can't steal from them. The question is, what free gifts? Giving them a gift with no strings attached, a gift that's not compensation for anything, just a gift. You're not allowed to give to a guy. And so the question begins: How are you allowed to? Are you allowed to, to, to tip your your garbage collector, your letter carrier, and uh, your your secretary, and so on? Are you allowed to give them gifts on the holiday and any other time of the year? Are you allowed to do that or not? The short answer is yes, you are. All the posts who discuss it say that you are, and they give a, a variety of reasons. But it's not immediately obvious, and, there, and, and there's, uh, as we'll see, the, the post can give a, a variety of different reasons for why you're allowed to do this. And s- some of them are well accepted, some of them are machlokas, or not so well accepted. But that's what we're going to go through tonight. A number of chuvas on this topic post can grapple with the question of whether and why you're allowed to give a non Jew gifts, tips, tip a taxi driver, an Uber driver. The, the, the post we discussed this, the early post can talk about taxis, today it would be Ubers and so on. So I let a tip any time of the year, tip the, 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 tip the maid, what do they call it today, housekeeping staff who, 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 who turns out your room in, uh, in, at a hotel, the, the person who carries your bag up to the, up to the hotel with you and so on. Are you allowed to tip all these people, and, and including are you allowed to tip them around the holiday season? The holiday season is, I don't mean to, to say it's a different question than all year round. There is, a, there is, a, there is one additional issue in, in the handout. Rabbi Neustadt at the end brings the question of whether it's considered a gift on, on, a, uh, on a Yom of Avodazara. He says it's not an issue, he says. <coughs> but we're concerned here with the primary, the fundamental question. Are you allowed to give them gifts at all? So much of the discussion begins with an apparent contradiction in the Gemara. The Gemara we read in Avodah and elsewhere says you're not allowed to give free gifts to non-Jews. There is, however, a apparently conflicting Gemara, Mishnah. In Chulin it says a person is allowed to send a, a piece of meat, a, uh, a, a piece of an animal, a yarech of an animal, a thigh of an animal as a gift to a non-Jew. You're allowed to send him a present, a present of a, uh, of a nice chunk of meat. So the question is, why? We just said, you're not allowed to give gifts to non-Jews. Why, why are you allowed to over here? So the Rishonim give a variety of different explanations, and all their explanations will hook back into the question we're discussing of whether you're allowed, of whether, of whether and why you're allowed to tip your, your, your postal worker, your sanitation worker, your Uber driver, and so on. The Rashba, the Rashba has a tshuva, the, the very first tshuva on this topic, first entry in the handout, the Rashba was writing to another Talmud Chacham, who this other Talmud Chacham reported to the Rashba that he had been asked by a young man, Anar, that this question, which again, the Balitosis asked this question, but the, the Rashba deals with this question, his correspondent deals with this question, how are you allowed to send pieces of meat to Goyim, what happened to the prohibition of giving a matnas chinam to a guy? So this other rabbi said, gave two or three terutim. He says, First of all, we're not, maybe the Gemara is not talking about a, a gracious and unmotivated gift. It's talking about, a, it's talking about a, you're reciprocating for something good that he did for you in the past. Even though you might not have a legal obligation to reciprocate, it's not a contract, you don't have a legally binding obligation to give him a gift. 
But the fact that you're doing it in compensation for something he provided to you, that, that, that's not considered a gift. That's considered payment for something. So that, that could be a hatter, one hatter. Obviously, that's potentially relevant to our cases of the letter carrier and the sanitation worker as well. If you're doing it as, as, uh, as gratitude for good service, then that could be a hatter. Or, the Rashba's correspondent says, and this is something that's quite controversial, the, the, the Rishonim and Achronim argue a great deal about this, or he says, Maybe we're talking about a guy who's not Ovid Avodazara, who doesn't worship idols. I mentioned before, the language of the Torah and Shulchan Aruch, when they bring this prohibition down, they say, you're not allowed to give a gift to an, to an, to an Ovid Avodazara. It's always difficult to know when Poskim use the language of an Ovid Avodazara, is that simply a synonym for a guy? Or does that mean literally someone who actually worships idols? Many non-Jews do not worship idols. Many non-Jews are Muslims, which as we discussed in previous Yurim, the consensus, the normative consensus in Judaism is that Islam is not of Odazara, so Muslims are not idol worshippers. Even Christians, there's some debate about whether Christianity is considered idolatry. Atheists and other, uh, other people of no religion are not considered of Odazara necessarily. So the Rashba's correspondent seems to have assumed, and the Rashba we're going to see seems to have agreed with him, that this prohibition of Matnas Chinam is limited to Ovdev Odezara. I mentioned earlier that the, that, that the sale of the land to, to Arabs during the Shemitah year is a subject of great controversy. We've given Shurim on this in the past, between the followers of Rav Kook and other poskim who allowed it, and the followers of the Chazanish and others who did not allow it, who rejected it. There are, there are many, many different issues at stake, but one of the issues is whether we mention that there are three separate prohibitions that are derived from Los Sechanim giving Goyim gifts, giving them ownership of Eretz Israel, and praising them. So we're discussing tonight the, the prohibition against giving gifts. But one of the sister prohibitions is the prohibition on giving, giving or even selling them any, any share of Eretz Israel. One of the main arguments for the postman that allow the sale of the land during Shemitah is we do it to a Muslim, not to an Ovid of We find Muslims. They're not Ovid of Adazar. So, the, so they argue that the prohibition of Los Echanim only applies to an Ovid of Adazar which is what the Rashba is saying over here, the Rashba's correspondence is saying over here, that, that this prohibition as well, the prohibition of not giving a matnas chinam, not giving a gift, is limited to Ovdev Odezara, and doesn't apply to Goyim in general. It only applies to Ovdev Odezara. Says the Rashba, Yafea Marta. You said, well, apparently he likes both his correspondence answers. First of all, he says that it says, you're allowed to give it to uh, Gertoshev, just, just not to, uh, that uh, you're allowed to give it as a matana. And the and there's a difference between a ger toshav and a nachri. A ger is someone who's not an over nevodazara. As we'll see soon, there are poskim who there are poskim who say that who accept this halfway. You say that you're allowed to give a matana to a ger toshav, but not to a non ger toshav who's not over nevodazara. A ger toshav is a formal category. It doesn't even apply this manazeh. A full blown formal ger toshav was a category that applied in the time of Chazal, where where, where goyim could formally accept. Not the whole Tariq Mitzvahs, but they would accept the, the Zion Mitzvahs B'nai Noach, they would accept not to worship idols. A Bastin would, would certify this, would ratify this, and they, they would be considered Ger Toshev in good standing. But some posts can say that the prohibition doesn't apply to a Ger Toshev, but it still applies to non-Jews in general, even if they're not over the But the Rashba seems to equate the two. The Rashba and his correspondent seem to be assuming that they don't even mention the words Ger Toshev, they just say any guy who's not over the you're, the Rashba's correspondent, and the Rashba seems to agree, you're, la- you're allowed to give a matana, and therefore, 
the, the Rashba has this great leniency, accepting the leniency of his correspondent, that any time a guy is not over to Vodazara, you're allowed to give him gifts. That's the first tattoo of the Rashba and his correspondent. Vaod, he says, the prohibition is only matnaschinam, a, a free gift with, for, with no, uh, with no, uh, not in response to anything. But if it's for a siba, if it's for a co- if it's for a reason, for a cause, even for a future cause, you hope the guy will help you something, help you in the future, or he'll provide you something, or provide you some assistance. Then it's mutter. That is not matnaschinam. Furthermore, darche shalom. The, the value of preserving good relations with our host cultures. He brings the Gemara of Adazar. The Gemara says that Yehuda would give a gift, a korbana, to a man named Avedrana on his holiday. Now, normally you can't give gifts to a guy on his holiday because that, 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 that strengthens his Avodazara. So he said, no, it's not a problem. I know this guy. He doesn't worship Avodazara. He, he's not an idolater. But also, the, what about Losachanim? He can't give gifts to Gayim. Teretz is, again, either the Hetar is Darche Shalom, or the Hetar is that he had a reason to do it, or the Hetar is that, uh, that, 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 that if it's not an idolater, it's Mutter. So says the Rashba, we have these three Heterim. If he's not an Ovid of Adazar, it's Mutter. If it's for a concrete reason, if it's for anticipation of a quid pro quo, you hope to get something back from him, then it's Mutter. Or if there's an issue of Darche Shalom, then it is Mutter as well. And these three Heterim are all brought up in some form or another by all the postkim who discuss holiday tipping. We'll take a look at three chuvas on the topic. One is by Ramosha Stern, the Debertziner, several of whose chuvas we discussed recently. He has one chuva from 1961 on the topic. Another chuva is, is, another chuva is from the Sefer Minchas Chain by Rabbi Olbam. A more recent chuva, a very erudite, uh, lengthy discussion of the whole sugya, in which he discusses holiday tipping or tipping in general, among other issues of Los Achanim. And the third is a chuva by the Shevet Halevi, Rashmul Halevi Vosner, one of the great, outstanding Haredi poskim in Eretz Yisrael, Hasidish poskim of the of, of a generation or two ago. So looking at the Debertziner's chuva first, he says Nishalti, I was asked may Rav Chasid Echad from a certain Hasidic rabbi. Are you allowed to give a tip to a manheg mechuna? Taxi driver, he tells you. Are you allowed to tip a taxi driver? Today we would say Uber driver, often. You know, only give manaschinam to a nachri. So are you allowed to do this or not? Says the Debertziner, I answered, shari liting. It is mutter. Don't worry. Why is it mutter? So he says, yes, it is true that the Gemara of Adazara says that you can't give a matnaschinam, and that's pass, even though it's machlokas, we pass him this way in the Rambam, and the Tur, and the Shulchan Aruch. Now, what kind of guy are we talking about? The, the basic question, is it only an Ovid of Adazar, does it apply to all Gayim? So, the Beis Yosef paskins that it applies to all Gayim. We mentioned the Rashba that says it doesn't apply to anyone who's not Ovid of Adazar, but the Beis Yosef says, he says, that Beis says explicitly that when Chazal said Ovid Kochavim, when the Torah said Ovid Kochavim, that he did not mean to allow it for a, for a, for a Yishmael, for a Muslim who's not an Ovid of Adazara. He meant to a Gertoshev it's Mutter. Gertoshev is someone who has a formal Kabbalas, Zion Mitzvah Bnei Noach, who has formally accepted in front of the Beistin, a procedure that we do not have today, a formal acceptance of the seven Noachite laws. And that's the only exception to this rule, Beis Yosef says, and it does apply to Muslims as well. In the Shulchan Aruch, he doesn't get into this. In, in his, this is what he wrote in the Beis Yosef. In the Shulchan Aruch, he doesn't get into this. He just writes, it's also to, to give a man a to an Obed Kachavim, 
doesn't discuss what about Muslims, but in the Beis Yosef he says explicitly that it, it, it extends to Muslims as well. The only, the only subcategory of non-Jew to whom it does not apply is a Gertoshev, which is a category that's not relevant today. The Shach, one of the leading posts in, in Yerdea, the Shach brings the Beis Yosef and says it applies even to, uh, to someone from Yishmael, even to a Muslim. It only does not apply to a Gertoshev. Says the Shach, <coughs> that is Pasha. That is obviously correct, that it applies even to those Gayim who don't worship idols, unless they are formal Gertoshev. It applies even to Muslims, even to those who don't worship Avodah The Shach says it's Pasha. You don't even have to say that. It's obviously correct. What the Shach is saying is uh, not so Pashat, as the Rafina himself is going to say later in the Tshuva, the Rari Shadam would disagree. We already saw the Rashba disagrees. The Rari Shadam would disagree. So how can you say it's Pashat? Okay, but this is what the Beis Yosef and the Shach, two of the standard post-Kim and say, that the prohibition applies even to, a, even to a non-Jew who's not an idolater, unless he is a formal Gertoshev, which does not exist today. Then he get then he get he gets into a discussion of one of the main haterim. One of the main haterim that the poskim have for giving tips is that the poskim bring from the Tosefta. The Tosefta says that if you if, if you know the guy in question, if he's an associate of yours, a friend of yours, then it is mutter. If it's makiro, then it is mutter. If you know him, he's someone you have a relationship with, then it is mutter. And the reason is, the Tosefta says, that it's mutter represhu kemochrolo. It's like you, that's like a sale. If you have a relationship with somebody, he gives you things, you give him things, he's given you things in the past maybe, or he will give you things in the future. So in the interest of maintaining the relationship, which is a two-way street, basically it's a quid pro quo. It's, not a, it's kind of like a sale. It's a gift, yes. It's, it's not contractually connected to any particular benefit that, that you got or will get from the opposing party, but in practice, in, in, in the nature of the social relationship, it's a, quid, it's a quid pro quo, which halacha treats in this context like a sale, and therefore it's not a matana, it's like a sale. And that is another answer they give to the question they ask about the shalach adam yarech l'nachri, the mission in Chulim, the sugi in Chulim says that you can give gifts of meat to a non-Jew, what happened to the prohibition against giving gifts to non-Jews, this is another tariff. We're talking about someone with whom you have a relationship, and it's a quid pro quo. It's an exchange for something else, like, like we saw in the Rashba. Rashba brought this idea as well. If it's for a Siba, if it's because you, uh, you anticipate some benefit from him, that is mutter. So, 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 so this, is, this is one of the terutzim that this is one of the terutzim that three Shadim give to the Kash of Shalech Adam Yarech, and the, the Debrathina brings this from various Rishonim. And he says, so we have this idea that, that if they have a relationship, it's like a sale, it's not like a gift, he says. And in je- Post can say a similar thing, that if two people are traveling together on an extended journey, and one of them wants to give something to the other one, he's allowed to. That's also called, uh, not, not a gift, but a sale. Again, because they have a relationship. I'll help you today, you help me tomorrow. We're, uh, we're a team. We, we, we have, at least for the duration of this journey, we, we, we help each other out. If I give you something today... It's, uh, it, it, it's in my interest in the long term to keep our cooperation going. Says the, says the Deborah Fiener. So this is a major idea discussed by many, many postkim. He brings this from Rishonim and Achronim. Says the Deborah Fiener, going back to the case of the tip, he says, I'll call upon him. Shari litain ha-tip la-manik ha 
based on all this, you're allowed to tip the driver of the taxi, he says. Cause, why? Because if you don't, even though you don't have an ongoing relationship, he's not your personal chauffeur. We're not talking about uh, a regular driver you have. So why would this apply to a taxi driver? You would think that's the epitome of a one-off of a case that the Gemara said it's us, sir. He, he, already, he, he already gave you the ride. You're, you're home. He, he dropped you off. You're never going to see him again, this driver. So why were you allowed to tip him? Well, why would this idea of Makiro and relationship and quid pro quo apply? Says in Debertino, an interesting argument, a, uh, a, a keen and astute one, but an interesting argument. He says, because if people start getting the, if people, if people arrive at the conclusion, if the taxi driver community arrives at the conclusion that Jews, especially those Hasidic ones, don't tip their taxi drivers, he says, they won't want to. They won't want to take Jewish Jewish passengers. They, they know oh, they don't tip. You know, the, 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 those Hasidics, they, they don't tip. He says that they'll, they'll all spread the word among each other. Oh, the Jews, they don't tip. Anyone who looks like a Hasid, a Jew who looks like a Hasidic Jew, he's not going to tip you. He says they won't give rides to Jews anymore. He says and that'll that'll be a very uh, very very deleterious to the Jewish community that they won't be able to get taxi rides. He says. Therefore, even if this particular driver in the immediate term is not going to do us another favor. But in the interest of maintaining good relationships with the taxi driver community, the Debertiner has, a, uh, has a, a, an, an extension, a logical one, but a, a fairly broad extension of the Gemara. We don't have to ask ourselves whether this particular driver is, is, is going to for conceivably, foreseeably do me a favor. In the future, we, we look at the, the broader question. Is this going to be good for the Jews or not good for the Jews? If Jews don't tip, is that going to be good for the Jews in the long run or not? Says the Debertiner... There's a re- again. This probably applies less in a in a community where there are so many different drivers you, 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 that that that, that you know, they, they don't even know if you're a Jew when you uh, when you order the car and so on. He's probably thinking of Borough Park, or a community where it's a close knit community. If you get a ride from 13th Avenue and 45th Street, it's quite likely it's going to be a Jew, and then it's going to want to avoid certain neighborhoods or avoid certain addresses or avoid certain types of calls, and they won't pick up hails on the street and so on. But, uh, but basically, it's a, it's a logical and powerful idea. We don't have to look just at my specific relationship with this specific driver. We look at the broader question. Look at the Jewish community's relationship with the, 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 with the community of taxi drivers. If, if not tipping, if the policy of not tipping is going to, be, is going to harm our interests, then that falls into the category of mokrolo, and therefore it is mutter. That's his basic answer. Then, in the last paragraph of the tshuva, he brings us another hat. And this is something that's discussed by all the Akronim as well. He says, I found something novel in the Me'iri. Now, we're going to have to discuss the context of this in a moment, but this is what he quotes first. He says, The Me'iri in Avodah on the sugya of the Isra of Manaschinam, on that sugya, Me'iri says as follows, Anyone who is from civilized nations... Who is from the, any guy who is from the, the, the community of civilized nations? He's from what the Miri calls Haumos Hagaduros Bedarche Hadassos, nations which are which behave according to law, which have which have some kind of lawful and civilized behavior. Furthermore, they're religious. He says, Vishemodos Belakus, and they believe in God, even though they're not Jews. They're not Gertoshev. They're not Jews. They're certainly not Jews. They're not even Gertoshev. They're 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 Christians or Muslims. They're God-fearing, civilized Goyim. Ein Suffolk, Sha'af B'Sha'in Makiro, Mutter Veroy. There's no doubt, he says, even if you don't have a relationship with him, it is Mutter, the provision does not apply. Veroy, it's appropriate to give him gifts. 
And that's, and that's the answer to the Gemara and Chulin, the Mishnah and Chulin about giving a gift to a guy, giving a yarech, giving a piece of meat to the guy. That's the answer. The answer is that we discussed before the Rashba that Gertoshev, everyone agrees you're allowed to give a gift to a Gertoshev. A guy who's not an Ovid of Adazara, that was the Kiddush of the Rashba. Meiri, Meiri says any guy similar to the Rashba, with uh, more evocatively, any guy who is, who is, who is from a civilized nation that, uh, that believes in God, he's, it's not only he's a mutter, it's Roy to give him gifts. Says a Demertiner, that's certainly a Chiddush, he doesn't bring the Rashba, but he brings the Meiri, he says, however, that's against the Beis Yosef, and it's against the Shach. He says, the Shach says it's Pashut. It's not Pashut. He says, not like that. Now we know why the Beis Yosef said it, because Beis Yosef is, is ruling against the Meiri. I'll call upon him, the Demertiner notes, this is the opinion of the Meiri, so this is, he doesn't, he doesn't really say clearly how much weight he gives to this Meiri, it's against the Beis Yosef and the Shach. I'll call upon him, so the, this is the conclusion of the Demertiner's Tshuva, written in E.R. Tufshin Chavalaf in Brooklyn. <coughs> the main hatter he gives is that it is in our enlightened self-interest to maintain positive relationships, a positive relationship with the taxi driver community. Additionally, he mentions Amiri, which is similar to the Rashba, that the, that the prohibition does not apply to Goyim who are civilized and lawful and law-abiding and who believe in God. Now, the Miri, now the Debertino just mentions this as the Chiddush of the Miri. He suggests that maybe the Miri got this idea Maybe the Miri got this idea because, from the fact that the Pasuk of Los Echanem is written in the context of the indigenous nations of Canaan, the seven, the, the famous Shiva Amamin, the, the seven abominable nations of Canaan. So maybe that's why the Miri got the idea that this prohibition is limited to Ovdeva Dezara, barbarians, uncivilized Goyim. But the truth is, the Debertiner doesn't seem to have realized, and this perhaps is true for some of the other Akharim we'll discuss tonight as well, he doesn't seem to have realized that the Miri had a unique sweeping, novel, and basically uh, un, unparalleled Shita and the Rishonim, he had an extremely universalist, extremely progressive view of, the, of non-Jews. He believed that all, all the ne- many, many, or all the negative things that Chazal said in the Gemara, all the invidious distinctions they made, all the negative things they said about non-Jews, were all talking about barbarians and pagans and pre-modern uh, lawless people who are barely better than animals, he says. He quotes Aristotle at one place. At one point, I think he said, you should kill those who have no religion, who have no law, and no religion that guides them. He says, but people, civilized, civilized non-Jews who have religion, who have, who have law, who have society, he says, that's not who Chazal were referring to. Miri says this in numerous places all over Shas even with regard to the various Chazals but not returning lost property to non-Jews and the certain leniencies with regard to stealing and so on, all over the Meiri keeps popping up and saying everything Chazal said about non-Jews being different from Jews, having, having fewer rights. We're talking about the, the barbarians and the uncivilized pagans, he says. None of this applies to civilized guy. This sheet to the Meiri, it was always a kind of a curiosity. It, it, it never really had much traction in Halacha. If anyone who has studied Gemara and Babakama, if, if, if you've done enough, you will have noticed that in various places in Babakama, where the Gemara says some of these very uh, provocative things, invidious distinctions between Jews and non-Jews, so the, the editors on the side of the Gemara, they keep bring, bringing up the Meiri and one or two similar comments of other Rishonim as a, as a kind to deflect the censors, to deflect the, the anti-Semites. No, no, the, the Meiri said it's not talking about our, uh, our guy. So Miri did say this, but it never really had much traction in halacha. 
The Marsham has a tshuva 150 years ago where he says Miri is against all the poskim, it's not la'alacha. But, the, but, but in general, the, the Miri was something of a curiosity and something that was trotted out to uh, deflect anti-Semitism and criticism until the 20th century, until the last couple of generations where more liberal, more progressive Orthodox thinkers have begun to bring up, bring up this Miri and to try to create a, a theology and a halacha that is somewhat uh, friendlier toward Goyim, that, 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 that is less harsh and less uh, discriminatory toward Goyim. People like Professor Moshe Halbertal in Eretz Yisrael. But, but beyond that, even, uh, even Russia Yeshiva, even more progressive Russia Yeshiva and so on, have, have, have brought up this Meiri and, 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 try, and try, to argue that, uh, try to argue that based on the Meiri, we can, we, we can have a very different, very different attitude toward Goyim that, that, emerges from, that emerges from some of the some of the more, uh, you know, harsher statements of the Gemara and the other Rishonim. The, I, I, I had a long correspondence with Rabbi, with, with Rabbi Jeremy Weeder of, uh, of, of, um, of, of YU about this, where he points out various, various gedolim of the previous generation who either adopted the Me'iri, of the last century who either adopted the Me'iri or adopt similar positions, Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg in Sri Deish, Rav Cook, Rav Aaron Salvechik, and so on. Um, a number of more kind of modern gedolim, gedolim who are modern in various ways, have, have apparently had a lot of sympathy with this Me'iri as having enabled them to square the circle, to kind of diffuse some of the tension between uh, the harshness Halacha sometimes has toward non-Jews and the modern, more universalist, uh, the Brotherhood of Man, and so on. You know, Shylock said, hath not a Jew eyes, has, you know, if you prick me, do I not bleed? So Jews have begun to think the same way about Gaim, that they're people too, and therefore the Miri has, has, has had more traction in recent years, recent the last century or so, various Gedolim have adopted a position of the Miri, like the Miri. The problem, of course, is that it flies in the face of, of Halacha, of centuries and centuries of Halacha, when the Miri clearly was a... Uh, was a uh, what clearly was an outlier opinion that, that has virtually no traction among the postkim in any of the contexts in which he says his things. So that's that, that's the discussion I had with the Rewiter about how much weight in halacha can we can we place in the uh, okay, how much weight can this miri carry? I'll call upon him the the Debertziner and the other Akronim don't seem to have realized that the miri on, on this topic as well the topic of losachanim should not necessarily be understood as a technical halacha in the laws of Losachanin, but as part of his broader thesis that we should have a more universalist attitude toward the brotherhood of man and not uh, be so exclusionary of anyone who's not a Jew. But I'll call upon him, the Debertiner mentions what he calls the Dover Chadash of the Meiri as another Tzad Lekulo, although he notes it's against the Beis Yosef and against the Shach, so it's not clear how much weight he would give it. But this is the position of the Debertiner, his primary heter, is based on is based on the idea is based on the idea that it's uh, we're not giving we're not when we give a tip we're not giving simply a gift it's an error enlightened self interest to give this it's kamocherlo it's more like a sale and not really like a tip the shevet alevi ravosner he has a tshuva discussing again gifts to non Jews in general gifts to he's discussing he's discussing again giving gifts to giving gifts to non-Jews in general and the, 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 the parameters of the, of the prohibition. He discusses at length the question of what Goyim are included, 
this Rashba and the Meiri and so on. He discusses the his his question was, was his question was actually addressed to a Rav in Brooklyn. So I'm you know, I'm, I'm actually wondering whether this whether, whether this could have been the same Rav that uh, the Debertiner, as we discussed previously, is not in the habit of naming his correspondence. He made a special exception for a Menashe Klein on that memorable occasion. But in, but in general, he doesn't discuss his uh, he doesn't discuss his uh, who, who is car- he doesn't name his correspondence. Here he says it was from a Rav Ech, a Rav Chassid Echad in Brooklyn in the year 1961 in the year Tafshin Chafalaf Tafshin Chafalaf the the the, the Levi's tshuva was to a Rabbi Tzvi Mayer Greenbaum in Brooklyn. Does he say what year it was? Um, does he say what year it was? No, he doesn't say what year it was. So it's hard to know, but it could have been, it could have been the same show. Who knows? So the question was, he says, and the first thing we have to discuss, he says, is to figure out what kind of, what kind of grime are we talking about? We have the Beis Yosef who says it includes Muslims. It, it only excludes Gertoshev. However, he says, not everyone agrees. He says, he says, the, not everyone agrees. He says, early Rechonim already, Mr. Hammond brings early Rechonim say, that Beis Yosef missed the Rashba, the Shach missed the Rashba, that it only applies to an Ovid of Odezara. So the, so the Shevet Levi has a long discussion, Lahalacha, how do we go? He goes back and forth and brings different Rishonim and, 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 and tries to figure out what all the Rishonim hold. He comes out of the Machlok's Rishonim, he says, it's, uh, you have the Rashba, he says. He says, there is the Rashba. He tries to argue that the Rambam and the Tur and other Rishonim agree with the Beis Yosef, that it does apply to Muslims, but you do have the Rashba, he says. He argues that the, that the Sefer Achinuch, although it's not 100% clear, he said the Sefer Achinuch is mashma like the Rashba. Then he says he saw the Meiri. The Debrisiner said he found the Dabar Chadash in the Meiri. The Shevet Levi found it as well. They found the Meiri, who says that it doesn't apply to uh, modern civilized Gaim. So now we have several Rishonim. We have a Rashba, we have a Meiri, we have the Mashmos of the Chinuch, he says. We have a number of Rishonim who say that it doesn't apply to religious civilized Gaim. Says the, says the Shevet Alevi, the bottom line is, however, after all is said and done, he says, the bottom line, Lahalachi says, even though there are several, several Rishonim who say, who, who construe the prohibition narrowly as limited to Ovdev Odezara, he says, nevertheless, he says, we have to be Machmer. He says, Ladina, since the Rambam and the Torah are Machmer, like the Beis Yosef says, and that's the sheet of Tosfus, he says, when Tosfus asked the Kash of Shalach Yarek Lenachri, how you let us send the Yarek Lenachri, didn't occur to Tosus to answer like the Rashba that we're talking about uh, a guy who's not an idolater. It must be Tosus disagrees. Tosus says that all Gaiyim are included in the prohibition. So there are, he says, some Rishonim who are Mekel, but it's a Suffolk Daraisi, he says. This prohibition, it's based on a Pasuk, it's, it's a Pasuk of Los Achanim, it's a Suffolk Daraisi, he says. Therefore, you have to be Machmer, he says, not like the Meiri. You have to be Machmer like the Rishonim who say that it's. Uh, that, that the prohibition extends to any non-Jew, even a non-Jew who's not an idolater, even a non-Jew who's religious and civilized, it is usher to give them gifts, not like the Meiri. However, he says, again, the one hatter is, if it's makamak zakas tova, like the post can say, that, that, that if, it's, uh, if it's a quid pro quo, if it's, a, if it's an exchange for some other goods you received or will receive from the guy, then, then it's mutter. That's the hatter. But other than that, the fact that he's, that he's not an over the zara, the fact that he's a decent guy and a civilized guy and a well-behaved and... Uh, an upright person, he says, that's not a heter. It's the Chalak but you have to be machmer. But the Isra applies even in that case. And you left with you know, the only thing you left with is the other heter, the heter of the the Debertiner. That that if it's uh, if it's a quid pro quo, if it's in if it's in your own enlightened self interest, then it's okay. 
The third tshuva, the longest and most interesting tshuva of all of these, is the tshuva in the Minchas Chaim, of Rabbi Olba. He discusses a number of different scenarios. The actual shayla that he was asked, he says, which, 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 he's, which, he was, which prompted his discussion, he says there was a fellow who had a neighbor or some kind of, some kind of minor social acquaintance. He says the fellow was sick, he was, he was hospitalized, he's getting home, he's, going, he's coming home, he's being released from the hospital. The fellow's wife wants to bring a gift, a welcome home package of some goodies, some food, of a welcome home gift. And they want to know, is this a question of losachanim, to give a welcome home gift to a uh, <coughs> welcome home gift to a, to a guy? He, it wasn't a quid pro quo. They didn't really have any real connection. They, they, they weren't close. It wasn't like the guy would be insulted if he didn't give it to him. They were, very, they were casual acquaintances. They just wanted to do a nice gesture. The fellow was hospitalized. They wanted to show, just show a kind gesture of solidarity and give him this welcome home gift. Is it a question of losachanim? It's not going to be any Eva or anything. They just wanted to know, is it an issue of Lo Sechanim? So the Minchas Chaim discusses this question. He discusses two other questions involving Lo Sechanim. One of them, and this is just a classic, one of them is, he says, you're on an airplane. They serve food. So today we get kosher meals. But he says, let's say, today we don't get food at all sometimes, but, but, but we, we get kosher meals. But he says, sometimes you don't get kosher meals. Sometimes you get, I don't know, a bag of pretzels or something, and, they, and they're not kosher. And, or you don't want them. He discusses whether they're not kosher. It makes a difference, actually. And you want to give it to your seatmate. He said, here, you want my pretzels? But your seatmate is a guy, he says. You can't give guy him gifts. Lo sechanim. Are you allowed to do that? No quid pro quo, he says. He's not giving you his coke instead. So, uh, so is there a hatter? Are you, are, you uh, are you allowed to give your food, your non-kosher food? Can you give it to your seatmate, he says. Lo sechanim. And the third question is tipping, he says. Are you allowed to tip your, uh, tip your service providers? Is there, is there, uh, are you allowed to tip people? So he has a very intricate tshuva, trem- tremendously erudite tshuva, bringing all kinds of rishonim and achronim on the topic of lo sechanim. One of the one of the key questions, which we're not going to get into tonight, but one of the key questions he brings is: Is there an isra of lo sechanim when it's not a quid pro quo necessarily, but you're motivated by your own good rather than his? Sometimes the benefit of the gift is actually to the giver. Not to the you know, better to give than to receive. You know, sometimes in halacha as well, it's actually better to give than to receive. Sometimes it's actually a benefit you might have to giving a gift. One example they talk about is a tshuva in the Ksav Sofer. He talked about a case where where there was there, there was an issue with tvilas kalim. There was there, 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 there was a there was a there was a problem with tvilas kalim that uh, that they had a keli that. That, 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 that needed tefillah and wasn't tovel. The, the actual case was, he says, it was, the case was as follows, he says that it's, uh, it's Shabbos, you, you haven't been tovel your keli, you want to use it. He says, it's a shadow whether you're allowed to be tovel the keli on Shabbos, and, if you, and, and the, the best solution is, you should just give the kli b'matana to a non-Jew, which, uh, which eliminates the need for tefillah. Question is, since what, so there's one question, you're not allowed to give gifts on Shabbos. That's one question. But another question is, how are you allowed to give a gift to a guy? He's lost a chanim. He can't give a gift to a guy. So the Ksav Sofer talks about Asfara that, well, this is not a gift for his benefit. It's a gift for my benefit. He's going to give it back to me, and I benefit that I can use the Kli without violating the, pro, the, the, the mitzvah of Tefillah. So that's a question the Post can discuss. In these kinds of cases where giving a gift is actually for my benefit, not for his, is there an Isra of Los Achanim? This comes up, this was extensively debated in the context of the prohibition of giving a guy ownership in Eretz Yisrael. 
the prohibition of the sister prohibition of giving them any ownership of the land, one of the main heterim, going back more than 100 years to the 19th century when they first began talking about the Hatem Rechira, one of the heterim was the prohibition is only giving him land for his benefit. But if we're doing it for our benefit, it's, it's a pro forma sale. It's, a hard, it's like Mechiras Chavetz. He's not actually going to get anything in Eretz Yisrael. It's just a, a legal fiction to allow us to be able to have more flexibility with regard to Shemitah. That's for our benefit, not his. So that's fine. Others disagree. Others said it doesn't matter. So here also, when the Losachanim of gifts post can debate whether it's a gift for my benefit as opposed to his is, is mutter or not. That's one debate. The Minchas Chain brings another d- debate whether the prohibition applies giving something as a gift, something I have no use for. Something which is worthless to me. It's just going to go in the garbage. So is there, is there an Isra of Los Achanim and giving that to the guy? It's a shalom Akronim, he says. It's a, it's, a, it's a discussion of Akronim, whether it's tray food. That's the classic example. Food that, has no, food that has no benefit to me. People do this. People do this all the time. People give their, let's say, their cleaning lady. If they, have, if they, if they get uh, you know, a chocolate bar in the mail, if they don't need it, they'll, they'll give it to a non-Jewish coworker or a non-Jewish cleaning lady or something like that. A non-Jewish nanny we would have. So the people do this, but it's, it's a shalom v'achronim, whether, whether this is included in the history of Los Echanim. So Rabbi Albaum in the Minchas Chain, he's inclined to the view that it is mutter. He, he, he agrees with the achronim that, uh, that the ikar is that it's mutter, that the history of Los Echanim is don't give something away if that thing has value to you. Something that has no value to you, which is going to go into the garbage otherwise, he says, that you can give to the guy without, without worry, he says. There's no problem giving that to the guy if it has no use to you anyway. And therefore, he says, in the case of the non-kosher food on your airline tray, he says, you don't need it. It's just, you're not going to do anything with it. You're just going to go into the garbage otherwise, he says. Therefore, it's mutter to give it to your non-Jewish seatmate. That's an interesting question, though. So that applies to non-kosher food. What if it's kosher food? You, you take a bag of pretzels, and it is kosher, and then you decide you're not really so hungry, that you, that, that, or you're feeling nauseous, so you're not, you don't really want it. You could theoretically just put it in your bag and, and, and bring it home to your kids, who I'm sure would like uh, a cute little bag of airline pretzels. You just want to give it to your seatmate just to be nice. That, this hatcher doesn't apply. Those pretzels are useful. They're, they're, not, uh, they're not worth their weight in gold, but they're, they're not worthless. They're, they're, they're not useless. So this hatcher would not apply in that case. If, if you have, again, if, if, if you have no kids at home who want the pretzels and you're not interested in carrying it and it's going to go straight into the garbage if you don't want it, then again, maybe it's mutter because they're really of, practically of no use to you. But in a case where, you know, you're putting other stuff in your bag, you're willing to put it in your bag, you just, you see your neighbor looking at them and you just want to be nice and give it to him, so that would be a question whether, whether you'd be allowed to do that or not. His ikaratur is specifically to the case of non-kosher food where he thinks it's mutter because of this hatter that if you don't need it, there's no isra of lo What about the case of the welcome home package, he says? The, the fellow's wife wants to cook some food and just bring it as a welcome home gift to the neighbor, he says. That's certainly mutter, he says. You have the other hatter, the hatter of makiro, the rishonim bring from the tosefta. If you have a relationship with somebody, then it's uh, an ongoing relationship. It's always a quid pro quo. Even if you aren't singling out a specific thing he did for you in the past or a specific thing you hope to get in the future, by the mere fact that you have a relationship, you have an ongoing relationship, it's inevitable that at some point, if your relationship is good, you'll get some benefit. That applies here as well, he says. That, that, that applies here as well. That if the... That if the... Even if it's not a super close friend, but, but if it's a neighbor, someone you, have, someone you have an ongoing relationship with, that is the textbook definition of Makiro, he says. That's not considered a matana. 
that's Kimochrolo, and that is Mutter as well. I remember I had a friend of mine in Lakewood who he had, uh, he had, he had a cleaning lady. I think the cleaning lady had a miscarriage, a non-Jewish cleaning lady had a miscarriage, and his wife gave her uh, just, uh, just uh, a present out of sympathy, gave her some kind of uh, feel-better uh, gift of some sort. He did it because it was just a decent thing to do, because it was just showing a little bit of human kindness to a poor woman who was suffering. The question is, what about Los Hachanim? So certainly, if it's your cleaning lady, you certainly have this heter. It's an ongoing relationship, but uh, even, though you're, even though my friend was, uh, was a caring and decent person, he wasn't doing it out of mercenary motives, I don't think, but the fact that there, that there are mercenary benefits as well, that, you'll be on, that, that your cleaning lady will be happier with you and you'll, you'll have a smoother relationship in the future, that would be a heter. So that's, uh, that's the heter of Makiro. Anytime you have an ongoing relationship with someone, you have the heter of Makiro. Now, what about, he says, tipping workers, service providers and workers, he says. So again, if it's a worker with whom you have an ongoing relationship, you hire him uh, for projects every couple of months, you hire him again. You have your gardener, he works for you every year. You have, your, you have people who you hope will... You know, the, the classic rationale for tipping your sanitation worker, when I grew up, always was, if you want them to, bring, to leave your cans, put them back nicely on the curb then you tip them. And if you want them to just hurl them in random directions and leave, them, leave things a mess, then you don't tip them. So it's very much a quid pro quo. You want good service and you want them to treat you well. And uh, either just they won't go the extra mile if you don't tip them or they'll deliberately uh, behave in a hostile way because they're angry that you don't tip them. But one way or another, there is a quid pro quo here. That There is an element of it's in my interest to tip them. That's certainly a to reset. Anyone with, anyone with whom you have an ongoing relationship is certainly mutter. But that's true, he says, for those workers or service providers with whom you have an ongoing relationship, he says. But what about the taxi case, he says? What about the case where it's a one-time rendezvous, you're never going to see this guy again, he says? So what's the hetero to pay a tip then? So we, we began with the Debertiner who said that the hetero in such a case is, the hetero in such a case is that uh, he has this chiddush, which he thinks is posh, but he has this chiddush that we don't have to look at just the relationship between me and him, we look at the relationship between the Jewish community as a whole, and the taxi driver community as a whole, that's how we look at it. The Minchaschein doesn't, doesn't uh, propose that chiddush. He doesn't go that far. But nevertheless, he thinks that it's mutter to tip the taxi driver for three reasons. And the three reasons, I think, are all very you know, common sense and very logical. He says, first of all, he says, there's Eva. There is a question of Eva. Eva is the, is the concern that taking action or inaction that, that will cause enmity or bad feeling between Jews and non-Jews, is a problem. We, we do things, we even bend certain halachas. Halacha allows itself to be bent in certain cases to avoid eva. So since the non-Jews will resent and will feel, will, 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 will feel resentful toward Jews, if we don't tip them, he says, that itself is a svara. Darche shalom, the Rishonim say, was, was a hetter to avoid, to avoid eva, to promote darche shalom. That's a hetter. So if Jews decide they're not going to tip taxi drivers, that will certainly cause eva. That's the first chapter. To avoid Eva, we can tip people who expect tips. So at least in context where tips are expected, there would be a hatter. Not always the case. Occasionally I have someone who delivers an appliance or something. I grew up, you tip these people, but my wife grew up differently, and uh, you don't necessarily tip people. And My wife denies it. She says she did not grow up that way. No, it's more because I forget to. My wife says just that she forgets sometimes. It's not that she grew up that you don't tip. I thought every time I asked her, do we tip? She says, I don't know, but... Uh, but yeah, the, Okay, we can debate this later. So the, so the, 
but very often the people themselves seem surprised, usually gratified, but they often seem surprised that we're tipping them. So apparently the cultures, the culture in Europe is different from the culture in the U.S. Cultures can, can vary from place to place, from industry to industry. So in a case where there's a strong expectation of a tip, then there's a concern for Ava, and then you can tip. But again, this wouldn't apply in the case where there's no expectation of a tip. You just want to be nice and give a tip. This first argument would not apply. Second Svaratim Mekali says, again, based on the minog, he says, since the minog is to tip, he says, then it's not just a tip, it's not just a gift anymore, it becomes compensation, to the extent that the federal minimum wage laws uh, allow you to pay restaurant workers less than the minimum wage because of the expectation of tips. The, the federal government itself, in its, in its official, in its official uh, legal output, recognizes that tipping is a major source of compensation for workers in certain industries. So to the extent that the tips are a, are a major part of a worker's compensation, even though you're calling it a tip and it might not be a legal obligation, it's clearly considered compensation, it's, it's clearly considered consideration for services rendered, the workers expect it and rely on it, they take into account when they accept the job, the tips, he says, a counselor in camp, so he gets paid wherever he gets paid, but a, a big part of the decision is, is the money they get in tips. So in a case where, it, where, where the whole system is built on the tip, he says, even if the tip, you can argue, even if the tip perhaps is not, strictly speaking, a legal requirement, so nevertheless, nevertheless, the, you're allowed to tip because it's not a gift, it's compensation, even if it's not legally required compensation. He doesn't say that explicitly, but that's what I think he means. Even if it's not legally required compensation, it still is considered compensation rather than simply a gift. His third argument, he says is that, this is a very interesting argument, but he says that, why do you tip, he says. Most of the time a person tips, he says, it's really, it's really motivated by self-interest. Not the self-interest of quid pro quo, of future gain, because we're talking about a guy you're never going to see again. So what's the self-interest in giving a tip, he says? Because you don't want to feel awkward. You don't want to feel cheap, he says. He says you're embarrassed to, to not give a tip. So that itself is a legitimate reason, this is, this is a big chiddush, he says, but that itself is a legitimate reason to, to, to not violate Los Tachanim. He says that you're not tipping because, of an, uh, because, the, because you want to give him a gift, you're tipping because it makes you feel good. The Balai Musar talk about this, when, when a person is a Balchesed, are you a Balchesed because when you, when you see somebody starving and you give him bread, are you doing it for him or are you doing it for you because it bothers you that he's, uh, that he's, uh, that he, he's hungry? That's my drag also, some people are, you don't even care about that. But I'll call upon him, the Menchazchein is saying a remarkable chiddush. He's saying that if you tip because you feel embarrassed or you feel awkward in, in not doing this, he says, that itself is a reason to allow, to allow tipping. That does not violate Los Tachanim. So again, that, that not all these reasons will apply in every case. The first two reasons only apply when there's a clear minhag to tip. The third reason also, that if, he's, if he's relying on the fact that you feel embarrassed, he's probably talking about a case where there's a strong expectation of tipping. In a case where there's not really such an expectation of tipping, you just feel that you want to do the decent thing, and you just feel that you want to be generous and tip. You, you just feel that it's nice, that it's, uh, that it's ethical to give somebody an extra gift. I feel that way sometimes. If I, if, if, I, if, I hire, if I have a delivery of a heavy appliance, and the workers work really hard getting it into my house, I don't know if it's the minute to tip or not. Let's say I decide it's not the minute. So it's not the minute. They don't expect it necessarily. And uh, there's no Ava, and there's no, uh, it's not compensation. They're, they're getting paid reasonably well by the company that pays them. It's not that I feel embarrassed, so I just, I just feel it's the right thing to do. Then it's not so simple that you're actually allowed to. It's really not a simple matter that, it's not a simple matter that, that you're allowed to tip, because none of these stars necessarily apply. One could argue that if you're doing a Lakadeh Shem Shemayim, if at least part of your motivation or your primary motivation 
is that, 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 that even though you're not going to feel embarrassed by not tipping, but you give them the money and they say uh, that, 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 that Jew was, uh, was a decent fellow, that, uh, that, 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 that was just a stand-up guy, and, 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 and hoping he'll somehow relate that to your being Jewish, he'll have a better opinion of Jews, maybe that itself would be a hetter. Mechaschein doesn't say that, but maybe that itself would be a hetter. We find such a hetter with regard to returning lost property of non-Jews. You, you don't have to return the lost property of a non-Jew. You're not even allowed to, the Gemara says. However, Shulchan Aruch Paskins, if you do it, if you do it to make a Kiddush Hashem, so people should say Jews have integrity, and Jews are upright, and Jews, Jews are moral, upstanding people, then it's a mitzvah. So if it's a mitzvah to return lost property, one could argue that, that if you're going to give a tip for the purpose of being Mekadoshim Shemayim, even if none of these reasons apply, and you won't be embarrassed by not tipping, but if you're doing it Mekadoshim Shemayim, Lachara, that would be a hetter as well, even though I didn't find that in any of the poskim that we, that we discussed tonight. In the end of the handouts, I quoted, uh, I quoted the, the discussion of Rabbi Daniel Neustadt, a contemporary authority. He, he, say, he also says that, that, that you're, you're definitely allowed to tip if it's if it's incentive for the future or payback for the past, he says. He says both in terms of the, if you want to get something in the future, he assumes that you're allowed to do it even if it's just payback for the past. If he did, you just, you just want to show you appreciate his work. Again, it's not so simple. I mean, he did work for you, but he's getting paid for that work. The, he is getting paid for that work. The, the, the other Akron who say you can tip the taxi driver, they don't just say, well, he, he drove me so I can tip him. He, you paid him for driving you, so he's not entitled to more than that. They come up with all kinds of other svaras for uh, they come up with all kinds of other svaras for why you let it do it. Rabbi Neustadt says you have to go through resources. I don't have a chance to read everything he brings, but he says it's mutter as long as it's done to uh, incentive for the future or payback for the past. He also mentions chilul Hashem. He says once it's expected, similar to Rav Albam. Rav Albam said Eva. He says chilul Hashem that if, if people are going to say Orthodox Jews don't have good manners, the Debertina was worried about them not being able to catch a taxi. Mechaschein was worried about Eva. Rabbi Neustadt worries about Chil Hashem. <coughs> so in practice, though, so all the posts we discuss it say that it is mutter to tip. Once it's mutter, it's probably recommended as well to make a Kiddush Hashem and to avoid Chil Hashem and Eva. It's mutter to tip your service providers, certainly in a context where such tips are expected. The, the, the Rabbi Neustadt then wonders about the other Losachanim, the Losachanim of not admiring and praising non-Jews, why do we often ignore this, he says? We, we often praise non-Jews for their athletic talents or statesmanship, he says. You're not allowed to do that. He says, uh, maybe that's the influence of society and secular media. Maybe those who will make will follow the shita that the Isra only applies to Ovdeva de Zara. It doesn't apply to Argaim. We, we said, some discussed that in the context of Mechira Saharetz for Shemitah. Some discussed that in the context of Matnas Apparently there's a Tzad Lahakel with regard to praising them. However, he says... We don't pass in that. We don't pass like that. We pass it applies even to Muslims, like the Akronim say. Miri's Das Yachid here, he says. And therefore, it is uh, anyone except Gertoshev, it would apply. So you have to be stricter about it. But again, that's with regard to praising people. That's a topic we'll leave for another day, maybe. Maybe we'll do that next week. We'll discuss that. But, the, in, the, but in the meantime, the bottom line is when it comes to tipping and, and gratuities, Posts can have all kinds of reasons to allow it, and not all the reasons apply in all cases, but the bottom line is, certainly in cases where tipping is standard and common, pretty much every post I've seen who discusses it allows it, even though there's no one reason that everyone agrees to, that applies in, every, in each case, the post can have a variety of reasons which they, see, which they use to say that tipping is generally permitted and even recommended according to halacha.